Well, how's everybody doing this evening? I'm all right. Good to see you. Welcome to Life Community. And uh, if you are new around here, we just want to extend a special welcome to you. My name's Tim. I have the privilege of pastoring here. And today we are starting a brand new series on prayer. And uh, if you are new around here, we often preach through whole books of the Bible, um, or even when we're addressing different topics, we normally take one passage of Scripture and do our best to exegete it. That's just a fancy word that means to explain it, to bring it to life, to draw out the truths that apply to our lives. Um, but we're not going to do that tonight. We're going to jump around a lot. And so just a heads up. Um, in fact, my goal tonight isn't really going to be to teach you any profound truths. I just really want to chat about some observations I've had about what, what is arguably one of the most important topics for us as followers of Jesus. I mean, we all know prayer is important, right? But prayer is literally your link, your relational connection link with God. And I want to talk about some really, I think, unsettling questions that I struggle with, and I think maybe you struggle with too, that are just going to kind of set up this series. And so this will be a very unsettling message, hopefully, if I do it right. But hopefully it'll get you to come back next week, because we're not going to really answer any questions this week. And so I thought <clears throat> I would just start out by guilting everybody a little bit. Is that okay? <laughs> All right, I'm just going to put a scripture up here that I know will make everybody feel guilty, uh, including me in the room. Here you go. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Anybody feel guilty? <laughs> now, I know this is kind of a hard Bible verse, and sometimes I, that's the King James. I know we normally preach out of NIV, but, you know, sometimes King James is a little hard to understand. I know, uh, you know, the language can be a little rough. So I thought I'd try out some other translations on you just to help you understand this a little more. So here's New International. Uh, pray continually. Okay, how about this, um, the new living? Never stop praying. Or, or here you go, here's another one you've probably never read. The Christian Standard Bible. Pray constantly. Or let's try the Good News translation. Pray at all times. Is this helping you understand what the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate in the Scripture yet? Um, and those that, you know, you're like the literal Greek nerds and, and stuff. I've got one more for you. The Young's literal translation. And this is what it says. Continually pray ye. <laughs> so I hope all that information together can kind of paint a picture of this. And uh, probably you're still feeling guilty, right? Now, here, here's the thing. We all know at some level we should pray. I mean, if you've been a follower of Jesus for any time, um, you know we should pray. And you read this scripture, and it's like we should not just pray occasionally. We shouldn't just throw a quick one up here and there. But there should be a constant lifestyle of prayer and connection with Jesus in our lives. This should be a big deal to us. And we know, I, I mean, Probably you pray, I'm just guessing. Whether or not, if you're just here, you're checking out God's church in the Bible, um, you pray, I'm, I'm guessing. Even if you're not a Christian, you pray, right? In fact, I see all the time with, you know, on social media and stuff, posts like, hey, if you're the praying type, 
send some prayers or, you know, some positive vibes or something like that my way, right? You see that kind of stuff flying around all the time. Even, even people who don't really, you know, ever kind of come to church understand this thing. It's a common thing. Just about everybody prays. In fact, you've heard a phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes. Think about it, right? Just about everybody prays at some level. In fact, I've read, I mean, there's all kinds of scientific studies that talk about how prayer works. And it's really interesting um, reading some of these because the hard thing to deny is that prayer is actually an effective thing, very effective. But what's funny is reading these articles written by people who don't believe that there's actually a God who's doing anything, trying to explain why prayer actually works, you know, why the empirical evidence shows that. So everybody understands kind of at some level, you know, the, the vast majority of people that prayer does something, you know, when you, last week we challenged you to, as one of the things you want to do to pray for people, to ask, can I pray for you? And then actually pray for them right there instead of going later and forgetting, right? And let me just pause and say, if you missed the last three weeks, I want to really highly encourage you to go catch up on those talks. You can go to our podcast or our website and catch up on those talks because really we shared a lot of the heart and the vision that I have as we enter this new season with our church, as we wrap up construction, to continue to be a church that focuses on reaching those in our community and reaching those in our world. And so I really want to encourage you, if you you missed that, um, go back and catch up on that. But pray continually. I mean, that's kind of tough, isn't it? if we're honest. It's kind of tough for us. I think maybe especially in our culture, we're just busy. Life is distracting. I mean, sometimes I feel like I can't even hold that sort of concentrated thought, much less time to actually concentrate and pray. It gets hard, doesn't it? It gets tough. Have you noticed that there's noise everywhere you go unless you make a conscious choice not to have noise? That there's distractions every second of your day unless you make a constant choice to put the distractions down. That you get in your car from you know the morning with your kids fighting, uh, taking them to school as soon as they get out, the, the radio's on, right? And then you're checking your makeup and hopefully not texting all at the same time, right? Come on. And so it's, it's hard to kind of keep this attitude of prayer in the midst of all that. So that's one Here's another one that I thought we should talk about before we get to the rest of this. This is also the Apostle Paul talking. He's writing one of his uh, protégés, guy who I'm named after, Timothy. He writes this. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. These are all different forms of prayer. Pray for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants, everybody read that aloud, all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So he says, I want people everywhere. I want as like primary importance. First of all, before I get to all the other stuff, let's get this out of the way. Because I want to make sure that there's petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving being made for all people. Like all the people in your life, the people you don't like, the people you do like, all people. Who's outside of that? No people, right? For all people, okay. And then he says, for kings and all those authority. Now, if you're like me, I mean, 
it's, it's pretty easy to pray for your family, right? You pray for your family a lot. You pray for friends. You, you hear of heartbreaking things. And you pray for those people that are going through that, people that are grieving. It's, I mean, we know that. We get that, right? But to have a kind of this... I think the heart of what Apostle Paul is saying here is that there's this consistent burden of prayer, not just for those things, people that are close to you, your friends, your family, but for all people. And then for, your, for leaders. And we think about this about, you know, once every couple of years. A lot of Christians, if you're not reminded, right? You think about this about the time you, the poll comes out and you're scared that your candidate's not going to get in. All of a sudden you start praying. Or when there's some big decision before the Supreme Court, then maybe you, you drop a prayer too, right? But it's not a consistent thing, praying for leaders. And, and he, he goes on to give the motivation here in this. It's good and it pleases God our Savior. Why? And so what's the motivation here? It's not just to pray for somebody's well-being, right? That's, that's fine. That's good. We've been talking about that over the past few weeks. It's good to pray for Aunt Susie. It's good to pray for things in your life. But the, the heartbeat of the motivation is that God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of him. God wants relationship with people. And so the motivation and the heart behind our prayers is really for the salvation of those around. How many times have you judged a celebrity, and you had never prayed for him? How many times have you judged a coworker, family member, you've really disliked a politician, but you've never prayed for him to meet Jesus? Right? Anybody feeling a little guilty yet? The other one didn't do it to you? Just a little bit? See, it's great to pray for each other. It's great to pray for your family. It's great to pray for friends. It's great to pray, pray for all these different things that, that we have in our life. But ultimately, you got to add to that. You better add to that. God wants all people to be saved. Are you praying consistently for those in your life who don't know Jesus to meet Jesus? Because if you're not, you need to be, right? And so we know on some sort of big scale, we've seen it in Scripture, this is what we're supposed to do. And kind of if you grew up in church, you know that, right? You know that. And every once in a while, you, you read through the passage, you feel guilty, you move on. We kind of know at some level that we should pray more, more frequently, more determinately for more people. But have you ever noticed that should isn't a very good motivator? How many of you remember, like, young people in the room? Let's see if we have any young people. Do you like it? You ask your parents, like, why? They tell you to do something. And you say, why, right? And what do they say sometimes? Because I said so. I said so. <laughs> and then because you're such a good kid, you do it, right? But do you like that answer? No. And when they're not looking later, you probably don't do it, right? Now, he does, but... You don't. Because I said so is not a very good motivator, is it? For any of us. It's not a very good motivator when you're a kid. It's not a very good motivator when you grow up. And so there's, all, there's these things we're called to do in Scripture. There's these things we're called to do as followers of Jesus that if we're really honest, we don't do a very good job at. And I think part of the reason behind that is we don't understand the why behind it. 
We don't understand why, right? And because I said so, that actually is a good answer. And there's times, you know, where, where we just don't understand and you better go with God on that, right? Or you better go with your parents on that because they do understand. But a good father knows that that's not a very good motivator. And so if all these scriptures that just say, pray continually, pray for everybody. I want you to pray a lot. I want prayer to be a significant portion of your life. They don't, st- you know, if you just read those on our own, that's, that's a shoulda, right? That's a coulda, shoulda, you, you, you should do that. You ought to do that. And for many people, prayer is simply an act of obedience. And that's a, that's a good motivator. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, right? That's an okay motivator, but I don't think it's the best motivator. And what's more is God doesn't leave us to that motivation. He gives us the why. And that's what this series is all about is we're going to dig into some really troubling questions and to some thoughts that I know you've had, and we're going to ask the why behind this. Okay, God, we know we're supposed to pray, and we know we're supposed to pray for those in our lives and for their salvation, and for you know, and we know we're supposed to pray continually. But why? But why? And I'm trying to do it because you said so, but I'm lacking the heart and the motivation. And he doesn't leave you without the heart and the motivation. And so today all I'm going to do is, as we go through what, the rest of what we're talking about is I'm just going to share some observations, some personal stories, and I'm going to ask some troubling questions. Some of them maybe you've thought of. With the hope that we're not going to answer a lot of them tonight. But what I want you to know is what, what, the things you feel, the reasons why you have trouble sometimes praying, you're not alone. They're things that are very common. Um, how many of you have ever wondered, like, why pray when God knows everything? Or um, you don't have to raise your hand. I can raise your hand, my hand for you if you want that. Or like, is prayer really even necessary? You thought about that? Now, probably, you know, your answer to that comes from, depends on your upbringing, right? If you're brought up, if you're a Calvinist, you're like, well, if you're, you know, some other denominations, you have different opinions on that, right? Probably has a lot to do with how you were brought up. But really, I mean, if you thought about that, is prayer really necessary? So on the one standpoint, we know from Scripture, God is sovereign. That means he is the sovereign over everything. That nothing happens without him knowing about it. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. The psalmist says, where can I flee from your spirit? In other words, nowhere. Nowhere. Wherever I go, you're there. You can't run from God. You can try, and some of you have, but you haven't been very successful, have you? So is prayer really necessary if you have a God who's sovereign, Part of the sovereignty is it means that he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish. We know that we see that all throughout scripture and prophecy where hundreds of years before the event happens, God says, this is what I'm going to do. And then he pulls it off. Hundreds of prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. All sorts of historical, really cool historical things that he prophesies hundreds of years uh, before the fact. I don't have time to share any of those, but if you're interested and want more, you can Google it or probably uh, send me an email or something and, and we'll hook you up with that stuff because it's fascinating, right? It's amazing. 
And so the sovereignty of God is this thing that, I mean, he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish when he wants to accomplish it. Nothing can stop the plans of God. Nothing can thwart his plans. And yet, he asks us to pray, which is kind of strange to me. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Like, why do I have to pray if you're already going to do everything you're going to do. In fact, there's this really interesting scripture. And we may dig into it in a little more detail in one of these messages coming up. But it's in 1 Kings. It's the prophet Elijah. And God speaks to him. And it said this in, in 1 Kings 18.1. It says, The Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him, I will soon send rain. So this is God's initiation. This is God's plan Go and speak to Ahab. Tell him, hey, soon, guess what? They've been in this drought, and drought is like the worst thing that can happen in this culture. And he says, soon I'm going to send rain. It's coming, buddy. God decreed it. And then the weirdest thing happens. I mean, they have this whole like scene on on Mount Caramel. But after that, after that, Elijah actually, the scene we see is he says, I hear a rainstorm coming. And so he heads up to this hillside, and he gets down on his knees, and he prays. And then he sends his servant, go look, see if there's any clouds. Nope, nothing. Okay. So he gets down again seven times. Seven times, which is a symbolic number of completion in the Old Testament. Seven times he does this. The last time there's this tiny little cloud coming up off the lake. And he he says, go run, tell the king, go fast. Because a huge downpour is coming. That's exactly what happens. So God says, I'm sending the rain. I've already determined it. It's going to happen. Why did Elijah have to pray? You ever thought about that? Why not just like stand there and wait for it, right? Wait for it. <laughs> wait for it. But he's not. He's not. And I'll clue you in on one more little detail of this when we close here. It's pretty interesting. Why pray? It's kind of strange. Have you ever wondered, is God's will automatically, um, is it like God's will a guarantee for you if you're a follower of God? Or is there something you have to do that may be linked to prayer and to other factors? Um, And then about this whole thing of praying for the lost. If God wants everybody to be saved and he's sovereign, which we know from scripture, he is. Why does he need us to pray for people to be saved? I mean, isn't that, if he wants it done and he's sovereign, why do we have to pray about it? Have you thought about that? It's a little troubling. And then um, there's this whole thing you see like, why in so many occasions in scripture is persistence required? I mean, usually Jesus, it just seems so easy, right? He'd just pray and boom, it was done. But he's Jesus. But then in so many other cases, it's like, okay, if God says, I'm going to answer your prayer and you see these prayers and maybe in your life and experience, like why is it so often that you got to persist in prayer? Like prayer is hard and your prayers don't get answered yet. Why is that? Why does it often take so long for your prayers to get answered? 
And then, I mean, this is kind of an interesting topic among Christians, but what about spiritual warfare, right? Have you thought about that? And how does that tie into prayer? Like if Satan is already defeated, why are we called to resist the enemy? Why are the weapons of our warfare, you know, heavenly weapons and all this? And why is prayer all connected to that if Satan's already defeated, which we know from Scripture, he is defeated. The battle's been won, right? And these are troubling questions, and I think some of you may have stopped asking these questions long ago. Because you thought about them. Maybe some of you thought about these like 20 years ago. But you just kind of quit and sort of got down the place of line. I don't know, but I guess I'll just pray. Because I know I'm supposed to. Because I said so. And some of you, for years, you, you kind of just stop praying. I mean, you know, you throw one up here or there, and when somebody's sick, you pray for them, because that's what you know. But really, that's about the extent of your prayer life. And it's about as exciting as not really exciting, right? You haven't been passionate about prayer in years. There's not been any life in it. I mean, that's just because it's just a should have for you. It's just a should have. I've made some personal observation about prayer in, in my life. A lot of times I find, I find myself seeking God in prayer a lot when I'm trying to figure out what to do next. Anybody else? And I find myself not seeking him nearly as much when I'm not trying to figure out what to do next. And just like as a coincidence, in the times I'm really seeking him, I tend to hear from him more. I told you this isn't going to be a really like satisfying message for anybody here. I'm not going to share any profound truths, right? But this is just something I've observed. Um, I've also observed that there's a direct correlation between my prayers and circumstances changing substantially. Some of you have experienced that too. I have journal entries where I've just been so frustrated and I've typed stuff down and then like, boom, the next day the answer comes in. It's like, wow, that was cool. Where provision comes in in crazy ways, right? But then other times I pray and nothing happens for a long time. And I pray, and I pray, and I pray some more. And then usually I just kind of get tired and lazy and uh, kind of let it drop off the radar for a while. Sometimes when I, uh, when I think I hear God, when I'm praying for direction, sometimes I think I'm hearing him. But when I look back, I think it was probably wishful thinking. Anybody else experience that? All right, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand because it's just my confession now, you know. So confession's good for the soul. <clears throat> now, I haven't done this in a very long time, but how many of you have been like seeking direction? Like, right, God, I really want to marry her. Am I going to marry her? With your Bible? I don't recommend this method of trying to <laughs> discover the will of God in your life. <clears throat> Mm. 
nope, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know. And then they took the, the, the liver and offered it as a wave offering. And you're going, nah, I don't think so. So you keep doing Maybe that one, you know. Love is patient. Cha-ching! <laughs> Done. Thank you, Lord. Wishful thinking. I think sometimes I, when I look back at my life, some of the times I've sought God in prayer for direction um, and thought I've heard from him, it was actually really um, wishful thinking. I've noticed in my life how I'm, I'm just prone to seek God more and pray when I'm in crisis, when I'm really in a tough time. What if God wants to engage with me when I'm not in crisis? What if there's a deeper thing that God wants to do when I'm not in a desperate spot trying to make a new decision? Um, I've noticed a couple other things. I've noticed that there's something special and effective when people pray together. I don't know exactly the reason. I mean, I think I know because Jesus talks about it. In in Matthew, he talks about wherever two or three are gathered in my name, and what you ask, you know. So I think there's this thing that there's something about praying in community that I've seen as more effective. And that's one of the reasons why I think life groups are so powerful. Because in what other setting do you normally sit around with other followers of Jesus and just pray together? Most of us, we don't do it, right? Because it's not, it's not in our weekly routine. But that's what I love about life groups. It gives you that chance to actually pray together. And I've, man, it's been so cool as over the last couple of years as we've gone through all this and praying about all the things, all the hiccups and hurdles. And, and man, the prayers, the ans- quick, expedient answers to prayer after we've prayed together in a group, it's just been really cool to watch. It's been cool to watch how God does that, right? So I've noticed that. And yet... Um, I know the statistic, uh, there's this statistic. Like if you want to do something for your marriage, this, this, going to church is really helpful, right? But honestly, it doesn't change the statistics that much. Now, if you're really a follower of Jesus and you, know, you read scripture and you, you base your life on that, that makes a huge difference. But one of the biggest differences you can make in your married life is to consistently pray together with your spouse. To take time to consistent. I mean, the statistics on it are incredible. It's like, I can't remember exactly, but 80 or 90th percentile better chance of staying together. They've done research studies on it. And yet, can, I mean, just honestly, I, I know that's one of the most effective things, but I still feel awkward doing that and don't do it nearly as often as I know I should. Maybe some of you feel the same way. You've experienced that, right? Um, something I've also noticed. I've noticed that kids' prayers seem like they're even way more effective than mine. In fact, we had this sort of stealth thing. When we first started praying about this business, this building, and it was, I mean, you know, we were like 35 to 50 people on a Saturday night, and it was like crazy and ridiculous. Um, I literally parked out front and I made my son, who was uh, three or four at the time, pray. God, you could give us this building. <laughs> I did. 
I'm not, I'm not superstitious or anything, but I've just noticed this pattern. When kids pray, stuff happens, right? And so, I, yeah, I did. And I watched that, you know, with my, my little girl praying for her great-grandma's salvation and just the passion with which she brought on. I think it's a childlike faith thing, right? He didn't know it's, like, ridiculous that we, we get this building. So he's like, oh, sure, yeah, you want the building, Dad, I'll pray for it. God, you know, I don't remember what he said. <laughs> I remember my kids praying for snow and, like, I can't remember. But, like, really, you're going to pray for snow? I don't think it's going to snow. And childlike faith, it might. I guess you're right. Something about kids' prayers. You know, sometimes I do struggle with the idea of praying with faith and then also with the truth that sometimes it doesn't go the way I think it should go. Anybody else? I mean, we preach about that a lot here, right? And, and here's the thing. I, as a pastor, I've studied the passages and I know, I know how to explain to you why it doesn't always work when you pray. In fact, there's, you know, a couple of scriptures that are really hard to, to process with some, you know, when Jesus says pray in faith and the prayer prayed in faith will, or James, the prayer, pray, prayer prayed in faith will be answered, right? And Jesus, you know, whatever you ask in my name and these prayers, and I get to look at you and go, well, here's, you know, okay, okay, okay. But sometimes it doesn't work like that, you know, because here, here's why. Like Paul, the apostle Paul, Arguably, I'm sure he had a lot greater faith than you or I, right? And he had three intense seasons about something. We think it was a physical ailment. Um, maybe it was a spiritual thing, but we think it was like some sort of physical thing that, that made it hard for him to do ministry. Three intense seasons of prayer. The answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, God told him no. Three seasons of prayer, Paul, please, God, just take this away. I'd be so much more effective in this ministry you've given. God, please. No. And Paul got an answer, which I think is cool. Many times we don't get an answer. We're just wondering, well, God, why, why aren't you doing this? I keep asking. God, why didn't you move, right? His answer was, you have my grace. You have everything you need to walk through the situation, right? Um, or this one, uh, where John the Baptist was in prison. We've preached this one before, right? And he's in this cell, like, and he begins to have doubts as Jesus. He's the guy that announced Jesus coming. And he begins to have this, these doubts, like, I don't even know if he's the Messiah. I don't even know if he's supposed to be the one who is to come. And I think his disciples were praying for him to get released. And everybody's like, Jesus, do something about this, right? And they come up to Jesus. And Jesus basically says nothing about getting John out of prison. This horrible situation he's in. Said he makes this really unique statement. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And the implication is, John, I know, I know you're struggling. I know you're in a spot of pain. I know it hurts right now and you don't understand why God would allow this. You are the greatest prophet ever, you know. In fact, Jesus called him the greatest man who ever lived. 
I know you don't understand. And I know, yes, I'm God in the flesh and I could call down legions of angels and bust you out. I'm going to do that for Peter and John a few years down the road. We'll get them the, the get out of jail free card, you know. But you, you're going to sit there and rot for a while more. And then actually, because of how lousy, morally, I have a word in my head, but I'm not going to say it. So, Because of this girl that did this dance and got Herod all excited and bothered. He gets his head chopped off. I'm sure they were praying for him. I'm sure he was praying. It's kind of hard. And then Jesus, hours he prays, trying to get to grips with what he knows is about to come. And he actually prays, if you're willing, take this cup from me. And so I get, you know, sometimes, sometimes prayer doesn't go the way we think it's going to. But you know something I struggle with? I don't, I don't struggle as much with this. I struggle with the fact that I'm more apt to lean on these stories or these accounts and use them um, to excuse my lack of faith. I find that, uh, I know that God heals people and, and oftentimes does, but there's this thing in my heart many times that I find myself rehearsing, um, even before I'm praying, how to explain why God doesn't always heal. Anybody else? <laughs> That's faith, right? I mean, Jesus called his disciples men of little faith. I'm like, what would he say about me? You're like, well, shoot, now we know who not to have pray for us after service. <laughs> now, sometimes, sometimes I have great faith. We prayed for a gal in our small group one night. Man, I just felt the power, the presence of God. And she went home. Um, she'd been having pain. She went home that night, and that was the first night she had without pain. Now, condition didn't go away, but that night it did. So sometimes God, God moves. Sometimes He heals. I, I, you know, we know these things. But sometimes I wonder if I'm, I'm just not persistent enough. Sometimes I wonder if I get give up too easily. And then I know that fasting, when, I, when it comes to prayer, I know that fasting has something to do with the whole equation, but I don't like fasting. You're like, no way. We could have never imagined you <clears throat> don't like fasting. But I found it's one of the most spiritually powerful things I can do. And fasting, if you don't know what that is, you know, it's either giving up meals or it could be giving up something for a period of time, right? And devoting time instead to prayer and seeking God. I remember one time um, we had this experience and still looking back, I was at, uh, on, on the mission field with Youth with a Mission and we had this gal who was being um, oppressed by some sort of spiritual force. And it was it was weird and it was creepy. I heard the noises. I'm like, wow, that's, that's crazy, right? Didn't understand it all. Poor girl was up all night as they were trying to pray for her and deal with this issue. And the next day, um, we had this 
the, the mission school we were at um, came together, and I came up the leader just because I think God brought this scripture to my heart. I said, you know, I remember this thing in, in uh, the Gospels where Jesus said some things only come out by prayer and fasting. And so we called, just like for a meal or for the day, we called the whole base fast. Everybody on the mission's base fasted and prayed. And whatever this thing that was oppressing was, was gone. Just like that. So fasting has a significant part to play in this whole thing. And yet, um, I'm not as consistent or as powerful as I know it is. Why don't I access it more in my life? Um, there's a missionary. His name was George Mueller. Anybody heard of him? This guy is inspiring to me. In fact, my wife read this book uh, to our kids, and I think maybe this is part of what inspired my daughter to just keep praying for her great-grandma. But George Mueller, he, he uh, lived in the 1800s. This guy, if you haven't read him, you should pick up, uh, just search George Mueller YWAM. It's like written for kids, but... You should be able to understand it. No, I can. I like it. It's interesting. Now, it's a fascinating book. This guy started the equivalent. that He built these five orphanages in today's currency, the equivalent of $14 million worth. And he never asked anyone for a penny throughout his whole ministry. He just prayed and trusted God in faith. Now, I don't think God's calling everybody to that. Um, you know, I'm not against missionary fundraising, certainly. But that was, that was what he felt like God was calling him. And the stories were just incredible of how God provided. Like literally the day, you know, they had all these orphans gathered up. There was no milk in the fridge. His wife comes up. There's no milk. We can't feed these kids. And he's, he just prays. He'd seen God come through so many times. And like while he's praying, in that exact moment, the door bell rings or somebody knocks on the door, hands him a money or an envelope with money in it rather. Right there, provides. And, and the stories go on and on and on like that. Just incredible, incredible um, faithfulness. And you think, wow, that's so dramatic. And the dramatic things he saw. Well, you know why he saw those things? It was his persistence in prayer. Check this out. Here, here's a quote. Um, there was a guy that he said he'd been praying for. He had five different friends and he was committed to praying for every one of those guys for his salvation. He said this, the great point is to never give up until the answer comes. I have been praying for 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion. He is not saved yet, but he will be. How can it be otherwise? I am praying. You know crazy? You know what? That man did receive Jesus. It was on the day of George Mueller's funeral as he watched his friend lowered into the ground in a casket. That man gave his life to Jesus. I think George Mueller got a high five <laughs> in heaven because the angels are rejoicing. Right? So here's, here's the point of all this. I'm not some kind of great prayer warrior or champion. And so in this series, I'm not going to share these things that, 
and, and dig into some of the answers to these questions out of, coming from a place of saying, man, I got this all dialed in. In fact, guys like George Mueller make me feel puny, honestly. But man, I've had some moments on this journey. I've had some moments where I've seen God move and I've seen God respond. I, I think you've had some of those moments too. What if those moments could become a lifestyle? What if, a, what if a lifestyle could become the catalyst to experiencing God's tangible activity consistently in your life instead of occasionally? What if? What, what if what James says, what if prayer is so much more than just something we're commanded to do? What if really the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective? What if? What if the accounts in Scripture are actually what happens when we pray? What if when you pray, God mobilizes kingdom plans he's had in place ahead of time? He dispatches angels. Check this out. And Daniel, Daniel, he prays over this vision he's received. And, and here's what it says. Don't be afraid. This is the angel Gabriel talking to Daniel. Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were, were, were heard, and I have come in response to them. But, and this is crazy, I mean, I've, I don't know, we have to do a whole series on this and see if we can figure it out. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. In other words, I came, I was dispatched the moment you began praying. Now there was spiritual warfare going on in heaven. It took me a while to get here. But what if when you pray, angels are just, God dispatches angels when you pray in his will to accomplish what he's called. When you're praying for protection for, for family members or for those around you, when you're praying according to his kingdom purposes. You know, John Wesley, a great hero of the faith, said this. What if this is true? God does nothing on earth save in answer to believing prayer. What if that's true? This guy's a great man of God. What if prayer is one of the primary ways God invites us to partner with him in what he wants us to do in this world? I started out a while ago telling you about Elijah. And here's, you remember, God said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish it. Check out what James says about that very occasion. He says this, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He's kind of like you. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. James says, oh yeah, no, no, actually uh, the reason that God did what he said he was going to do, Elijah prayed. That was the thing that God used to release this. Man, that's a crazy thought. We'll dig into it more. We'll try to figure out what scripture says about that. And like, why is that? What if there's a whole deeper level of engagement with God's Holy Spirit that you could experience if you simply consistently sought after him in prayer in a deeper way? What if we took the command that we started with in 1 Thessalonians, pray continually? What if we took that more seriously? What if we did And that's what I want to talk about in this series. And I want to explore some of these things that maybe are the reason why you lost your 
passion for prayer at some point? What if your answer is really to understand why? To comprehend the incredible tool that prayer is for connecting with God. And that's what this series is about. And here's how I want to end this time. I'm just going to invite you to take two or three minutes here. And quietly, just to to pray this. Father, please awaken in my heart a hunger and a thirst to experience all you have for me in prayer. That as we go through this over the next few weeks, that, that this might become a prayer of your heart, that he would reawaken or reignite, that he would, that something in your heart, that he would allow you to connect with the why, and that your passion would be revived for what he wants to do in you and through you in this world. And so I want to give you just a minute or two just to quietly pray and respond. And then I'll come back up and I'll close us.